Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's guest is a legend in the making. Not only is she one-fifth of the Grammy-nominated band We the Kingdom, but she is a wife, daughter, sister, and a real person just like you and I. If you're listening today, I believe Franny's story will not only be relatable, but even healing for us to dive into today. Here is my interview with Franny Cash Kane. Franny, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. You're not more excited than me. I can guarantee you that, but I'm I'm super thrilled to just finally have this conversation. I watched some live footage of you at Rise Fest um, a few minutes ago, and your live performance energy is just amazing. Have you always been that energetic, or is this all new for you? Gosh, that's a good question, and that's so sweet of you. Um, so I, I always tell people, I feel like my when you see what I'm doing live and and what my performance looks like, it really does come from how my time alone with God, what that looks like. Like it's, I was always very inspired by David and the Bible when he would say that he would just dance unmagnified before, uh, before the Lord, like, or undignified, not (laughs) undignified. And I love that. My name means free spirit. So freedom has always been something that I wanted to step into and embody and, um, I think being in We the Kingdom has helped push me into that even more because um, it can be vulnerable getting in front of people and showing them what your private quiet time with God looks like and the freedom, the dancing and all that. And I've never thought I'm a, a good dancer, so it can definitely be very vulnerable, but it's definitely helped me step into that freedom even more, which is, I see that uh, as God's way of helping me step into what he's called me to. So yeah. And I love that you brought up that this is just a reflection of worship that you you do on your own time. And I think that's really important. And I was reading an article the other day talking about if your worship doesn't look like it does in private, the same at church, you're just putting on a show. So hearing that is quite refreshing. And was that, I know you said it's very vulnerable for you, but were there steps for you breaking into that freedom on stage? Because, you know, being in front of whether it's five people or 5,000 people, this is your time with God and you're reflecting that on the stage as a worship leader, as a performer, as someone who's just mm-hmm. acting in their calling. Um, what did the steps look like with getting vulnerable on stage versus in person? Well, it's interesting. I think that as children, we're so free. Like we, we think our refrigerator art is so beautiful. We think that, um, you know, our discoveries are so new and, and, mm-hmm beautiful. And so then as we step into adulthood, we get more fearful of what people think of us. And so for me, I think I've always been really free. Like as a little, a little kid, my mom would always talk about me just spinning around the house, just being so free and and all that. And then as I've gotten older, and especially as we, the kingdom has grown, always that criticism from people that they don't like my clothes or they don't like how much I move or they don't, you know, like how I sing or they don't whatever, all these different criticisms. So I think overcoming that and trying to get back to how I didn't think about, I didn't think about myself when I was a kid. I, and I think that's something I've learned about. Um, my husband has been reading this book called the freedom of self forgetfulness. It's mm. by Timothy Keller, but it basically says that if you're thinking too much of yourself, which we call pride, that's still thinking about yourself. But then on the other hand, if you're self deprecating and you, 
you know, hate yourself or you are constantly judging yourself. And that's also selfishness because you're thinking about yourself. So I think I'm trying to overcome both sides of that, that spectrum because it's a pendulum that's swinging and trying to stay true to just not thinking about myself, but just being how I was designed to be since the time I was a kid and how, how God has called me to be, which that definitely is work. Cause every time you hear a criticism, it's kind of sends you backwards. So yeah. at least it sends me up. What? I don't want to, you know, offend anybody, but it's just interesting. You know, you are in a band with your dad, your uncle, your brother, and a close family friend. What, where did that all start? I know your dad has obviously had an amazing career in music, being a songwriter and now stepping onto the stage with y'all as a collective. But for you personally, when did you realize that music was your passion and what you wanted to do and felt called to do in your life? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So the band, I'll touch on that first. The band started, I mean, we've been making music forever. Martin, my brother who plays the drums, he's got hair that is longer than mine. We have a war, but it's definitely at this point. My extensions are out, so his hair is longer. <laughs> but he, he's my younger brother, and um, we grew up in the studio. My dad owns a production company, and he was always producing records while I was growing up. And then Scott, my uncle, who is 11 years younger than my dad, he kind of always felt more like my big brother. But then he joined, that started working for the production company about 10 years ago. Um, so that's how Martin and I grew up, just doing our homework on the back couch and then I, I, for one, when I was really young, he needed female harmonies. So it's like, well, I don't want to pay somebody else to come. So he would, my mom can't really sing. So he just, Franny taught me how to do it. So that was cool. And, and same with us, just Martin learning how to play on stuff. And so we've been making music forever together, but we weren't playing live. It was all behind the scenes. I started writing songs um, in the industry when I was young and then same with Martin. So that was behind the scenes was kind of what we always did, but we have a huge place in our hearts for young life, which is a high school ministry. Um, that's how, uh, my, my parents met the Lord at young life and, um, same with Scott. So my grandfather was on the board. Like we just had a big, a big place in our heart for young life. So we would play some, some gigs just throughout the years, maybe once, once or twice a year. And this one gig was in August. It was for a private school that rented out Sharp Top, which is a camp outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And they asked Scott, they had a relationship with Scott to come play. So he just pulled, I need a singer. I'll get Franny, need a drummer, Martin, need, you know, Ed, guitar player, whatever. Pulled all of us, Andrew, come play keys um, as the band. And we just, the five of us, plus one other guy who's playing bass, just happened to be the band for that week. And, um, we went down to the hot tub on the first night. We were all kind of in a really vulnerable spot in our life. We'd actually just walked through a really traumatic experience together. We walked through some spiritual abuse that and, and um, emotional abuse together in this really unhealthy church that had been um, been really hard. And um, when we left, we we kind of needed each other because we were the only people that really understood um, that. Uh, and so we started writing songs to help us process that. And one of the songs first song dancing on the waves was something that just really touched us. Cause it felt like a gift from God to help us process what we'd been through. And, um, so then you asked me, what was the second question? That you, so that's how the band started. We kind of yep, left. That's how the band started. What about Franny? Like you as a person, 
where did this all begin for you? When did music become your passion and you knew it was your calling? Yes. Okay. So for me growing up in the studio, that was super impactful because that taught, taught me about the technicality of it. I, um, for my birthday present each year, uh, starting when I was 13. Well, okay. So I guess the first memory I have of music becoming my own, I wrote this little chorus when I was nine. It's so funny. So funny. It was, how did it go? I was, I think somebody said, like, I heard an adult in my life say, like, I got Jesus, so I'm good. So I wrote a little chorus, and it was, I got Jesus, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, I got Jesus. Just silly little nine-year-old song. And my dad finished it out and made it into this, like, awesome song. Like, he wrote the verses. What was the bridge? It was like, I got the love and, or the joy and peace and the love of God flowing deep down in my soul. Ooh. <laughs> so when we finished it out, he produced it for me. And I just loved that whole experience. I was like, what? Like watching his song come alive was super magical. So then that's kind of when I started writing little ditties. And then when I was 13, I started writing songs, like real songs that were just expressions of my life and my birthday present that I wanted for my dad each year was for him to produce a song. So by the time I was, I think I was 17, we'd almost gotten a record for me, a record done just of, you know, just random songs I'd written through, throughout the years. We, we wrote one, um, a boy that I had a crush on in middle school asked me what my favorite food was. And so I sent him a voice memo back of a PBNJ. I love it. So just fun stuff like that. Just fun songs. Every year he would produce a song for me. And um, that's when I started to really fall in love with songwriting and, and watching songs come alive where I learned about the technical side of it. I learned a lot about logic and production and comping vocals. And it's how I um, watch my my voice grow, but it was interesting actually in this room that I'm in right now, it's the apartment in my parents' house. And my dad had his studio up here for a while before he finished out the basement. And I wrote this, one of my friends moved away and we kind of had a falling out when I was, I think I was 16. And so I wrote a really sad song about that. And um, we were in here recording the vocals and dad turned off the lights, lit a candle. And he was like, all right, I just want you to get in tune with like the sadness of this moment, sing through that. So I ended up having this emotional breakdown in the middle of it. And he, ne he never hit stop. He just let me, I cried though. I couldn't even sing, cried the whole way through. And he turned that vocal take down and um, used, so he couldn't, the volume was all the way down. So you couldn't hear it. And um, he was like, I just want that to be a part of what shapes this song, just the heart and the emotion of it. And he used a few words that had some cracks in it from that take. And it taught me about having, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to have your heart in it and your emotion and how to sing from a real and raw place. And however, whatever you need to do to get there, to make sure that you do that so that it can be real. And so that was a huge moment that shaped me as a singer um, to just be real. And, um, then when I out of high school, I went into this missions program with YWAM. Mm. I went to Hawaii for my training and then Nepal for my outreach. And, um, my job was to lead worship for my team. When I was in Nepal, we all kind of had a, a duty and mine was the worship leader. And, uh, I remember being, uh, we were at this Buddhist temple and it was just this really tragic place, like very dark. Um, there was a lot of just extremely, poor or extremely crippled people walking around begging for money and hoping and praying for healing or for prosperity. And it just hadn't happened their whole life. And 
So we would sing worship songs outside the temple. And these two girls ran up to me and um, they, in broken English, they said, I feel joy and peace for the first time. I've never felt this feeling before. And, and for me, like it was honestly hard to feel joy and peace in that country. Um, the people were beautiful, but the culture was just so broken and dark. And I, when I heard that, it kind of shook me. And I was like, whoa, I've been privileged. Even though I've walked through some really hard things in my life, I've had the privilege of getting to experience the joy and the peace and the love of God. And some people have never had that. And so it really just lit a fire in me where I was like, I need to, I can't waste my life. Like I've got to get out there and and help share this because it just broke, it broke my heart. So I think that was a, a moment where it was, and then one last question, I'm sorry, I'm ranting here, or one last point. When I'm, whenever we wrote that first song, Dancing on the Waves, that I was telling you about, um, we just walked out of that really broken time. And so on our way down to that camp, I remember writing in my journal, personally, I felt like I, my life was falling apart. I was so confused about God, why he let this really hard thing happen to me, why um, I'd had to go through all of that for a while. And I was just uh, really angry at God. And um, I'd been trying to be the good girl. I worked so hard to earn his approval and affection. And then I was just done. I kind of just went the other way. It was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to follow you, God. You know, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. And I, I just, I'm angry at you. And then the next night that song dancing on the waves just kind of fell out of the sky. And it was, the lyric was, I'm, I'm reaching out. I'll chase you down. I dare you to believe how much I love you now. So that was, I really don't think that we wrote that song. I think that was a gift from God. And for me personally, that song was God just, just healing my heart and showing me who he really is. So that, that kind of drew me into we, the kingdom. I mean, I feel like if we hadn't walked through such hard stuff together and if that song hadn't come, I don't know if I would have naturally wanted as a young woman, you know, I think young people want autonomy and and, and especially in America. So to be in a band with my dad, who's such this big figure in the industry has always been intimidating. So to be in the band, I feel like God used that song to, to give me peace about it and to draw me in and to show me the purpose that he had for it. And it's ended up being this beautifully redemptive thing. So, Yeah. And the really unique thing about y'all as a band, the songwriting style, it's all vulnerable. It's almost as if like even the lyrics for the song cages, like you're stripping everything down to be vulnerable. And it's almost like it's either a journal entry or you just having a conversation with God. And it's really easy to sing along to. Like, obviously, if people listen to the Ocean Way Nashville record that y'all just put out, all of the live records, like, it's all vulnerable. It's almost as if when you hear it, it was written to be declared. It was written Mm -hmm. to invite people into a spirit of vulnerability and just being honest with themselves. Is that intentional on y'all's part? Or is it just y'all being true to yourself and people just happen to relate with it? Thank you. That's so encouraging that um, I think because we're family or most of us are family, there's this weight that is not there from when I would co-write before, even though it would be wonderful. I always felt like I had to prove myself a little bit. And um, so I think being with family, it is so conversational because we're not trying to prove anything. It's like, we already love each other. We're already family. Um, we're in this thing together. So that takes so much of the pressure off to where the songs can just feel, I feel like we've almost had a, 
a license to, to, to try more things, you know, not try to be like somebody else, but to just be more honest, be, be how we talk to each other anyway, to try some new things. And so that's been such a blessing. I've never experienced co-writing sessions like I have with band. It's just different. It's really different. It's got to be different specifically because like you're with people you trust, you know, you can trust someone from a lot of friends that do the co-writes and all that stuff. The first few maybe even hours, maybe even a day is you trying to get to know that person, understand what they're going through to be able to collaborate, to create a piece of art. I can't even imagine like your dad, for instance, has been doing this for decades. He's co-written hundreds of songs by now, I'm sure. And it's, it's so vulnerable again, like you're writing out things that are on your heart. You're writing out things that are going to empower possibly even the global church. Like, um, some of the songs that are your bigger songs were accidents. Like that's just God moving in you. He's moving within your words. And when does it, when does it ever stop? Like, do you have moments where you're just sleeping and you have inspiration for a song or do you have to really get in tune with God to be like, Lord, use me in this, use me in this song. If someone is out there struggling, even if it's just one person, how can we break a barrier in their life? How can we help them find breakthrough? God, even within myself, uh, what does that look like? That's a really good question. There's this book called The War of Art that I love. And I don't think that dad and Scott have written it, but I feel like they embody a lot of what it talks about. Um, I don't think they've read it. Sorry, not written it. They may have written it. Uh, they, but it talks about... Um, pushing past resistance. And sometimes, uh, sometimes inspiration comes and that's awesome, but you should, you should keep working. Even if it doesn't come, you should keep pushing. And so I always watched my dad and Scott and even Martin and Andrew, all of them growing up, um, all the time or just like would put in their voice memos. If they heard a laugh, the melody, the laugh, ah, ah, they would put that in there voice memos just all the time. No subscribes. They're pushing past the resistance. They're pushing past the critic inside. And after a while, you just are in this open space of freedom. You're past the, your own inner critic telling you that's not going to, you know? So I think I'm definitely still in the process of what that looks like to constantly be cultivating creativity in my life. Um, because it is, I think it is a constant thing. I've also been reading that uh, it should be a constant thing. I've been reading that book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And she talks a lot about, it's not a Christian book necessarily, but a, a lot of what she's talking about to me, it really resonates with my faith. She talks about um, opening yourself up to the great artist, to the creator who I know is God, Jesus, you know, and um, letting him pour into me and inspire me. So one of the other things we talk about in the band is being, not a song, not contriving songs, not necessarily a songwriter, but a song receiver. Just it's all around you. Have you seen that that movie August Rush? Yeah. So it's kind of that. Like he would hear music in the train tracks or in the just constantly being aware of all of the music that's happening around us and being inspired by that. And so I think our band does that really well as a whole. I'm personally still learning what that looks like because I, I think I wonder sometimes if out of everybody in the band, I probably have the biggest inner critic. 
I don't know if that ties into like the, the personality thing or the Enneagram. Like I have a really strong six wing on the Enneagram. So I've got a big, a big, a lot of inner critics. So, so I really have to work through that, which has been a, a struggle for me. And I felt a lot of resistance. I love to write. I've been writing forever. I feel a lot of resistance with it. And sometimes it can be discouraging, but I think wherever the enemy like attacks us, the greatest is where God really wants to use us for the greatest. So that's been inspiring to me to just keep pressing through it. But um, in our band, we've we've not really had very many scheduled co-writes. I think we've only had one, genuinely. A lot of it comes from like one of our songs that Sing Wherever I Go. This is just an example. It was during the eclipse in 2017 or 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, We were in North Carolina and Brevard was one of the, Brevard, North Carolina was one of the places where you could view the eclipse the most. So we drove, we were at a Young Life camp, drove to Brevard. The eclipse happened. And as we were driving and it was turning dusk in the middle of the day, it was getting dark. Somebody, I think Andrew started like drumming on the car seat, like this drum. And then somebody saying like, I'm going to sing wherever I go. And we just wrote it there in the middle of this eclipse. And then after the eclipse, um, we could hear chickens at a local farm crowing at, or what are they? Is it crowing? Yeah, I think. I at think. Like 4 p.m. in the afternoon because they're <laughs> trained when the sun comes up to crow. So we wrote about creation, pulled that in. And it's just fun because we never really plan it. It's just whenever we all get inspired or in a rehearsal, like child of love came, um, in the middle of a rehearsal, we started playing those chords and then I sang out the melody and then, you know, somebody else sang child of God, but I heard it child of love. So then we sang out, I'm child. We're like, that's cool. We should ride that. So we finished it out and it's just, it's fun. I feel like it, it's never contrived. It's never felt contrived up to this point. And I, I hope and pray that it stays that way. And you talked a lot about reading and you also talk about obviously vulnerability, which we've hinted on a ton, which is important. Have you ever found yourself struggling with mental health and how did uh, you work through that? Oh gosh. Yes. I actually, it's, it's speaking of vulnerability, um, mental health is something that I'm not quite opened up about yet. I mean, I'm now getting to a place where I want to start talking about it more, but I've almost felt like I still struggle with it. And so, so talking about it can feel like, well, I'm not there yet. Like I'm not conquered it yet. So it can feel kind of weird to be giving advice. Somebody told me I've opened up a little bit about my struggles and and he said, you need to um, talk about that on stage. And I was like, I can't, I'm not like, you know, there yet. But I think I'm learning more about just being open about it is going to help other people know like we all to some degree struggle with in our mental health and um, to learning how to get to a place. Yeah, I but I've really struggled and I used to uh, to really struggle with with self-harming, especially when we came out of that um, really dark time in that show that uh, spiritual abuse we went through. I was I really struggled with that. And that was that was really sad. Um to, to look back on now and see. And then I think I'm always kind of uh, having to keep an eye on the depression or the anxiety, both of them, I can kind of swing back and forth. And, but something that I, I was at a church the other day and this lady, uh, I was talking, she gave me a devotional and I said, Oh, this will really help with my anxiety. And she said, um, don't call, don't call it your anxiety. 
and I got offended. I was like, that's my story. Like, you don't know what I'm going through, you know, at first. And then I thought about it. And this is not the case for everyone, by the way. Some people have like different, like an actual mental, um, chronic, you know, medical thing with anxiety. But for me personally, when she said that it, and me, because I was like, wow, yeah, like if I don't eat, then I'm going to get hungry. If I don't sleep, I'm going to get tired. If I'm not spiritually fed or if I'm not, um, you know, d- stable in my lifestyle with We the Kingdom, there's a lot of transition. There's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of change. So sometimes I can easily slip into a depressed headspace where I just have a hard time getting out of bed or have a hard time doing anything. And um, so I realized I was like, okay, that's not like me. Uh, having this, this, um, medical condition. It's just like, Oh, I just need to go be alone or go on a walk or go. So I'm learning about healthy rhythms to just not feel like it's this crazy thing that's overtaking my life, but just to keep an eye on it, keep a check on it, give myself grace and learn these healthy rhythms to, to, um, stay healthy. And it's health. It's awesome in the band. I just actually opened up with them a couple of weeks ago about how touring can sometimes really take a toll on my mental health. And yes. now that they know that they've been able to really help keep an eye on me and, and, um, help me stay safe. If they notice I'm like kind of being a reclusive, they'll pray for me or keep talk to me. And, and that's been beautiful to have people that have helped me, you know, become more healthy. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. And y'all as a band go through counseling, right? We do. Yeah. And we do go to counseling. How, like you got married this year. Congratulations, by the way. Amazing musician as well. It's, it's, how has that affected your mental health? Like I would imagine it has a positive effect, but you also have to learn how to live with somebody. And then on top of being around your dad and your brother all the time, like how has being married benefited your mental health or just helped you become more of a positive person? And, or are there any things that you had to work through that you weren't expecting? That's a really good question. Um, marriage has been a huge gift for me. We just celebrated our one year anniversary and, um, I think just having someone who experiences every, like almost everything that you experience is, it's almost like a perfect way for someone to see through your lens. Cause he sees how I interact with my family and then how I interact around my friends. And then the, the toll that sometimes work can take or the, how life giving it can be. So he sees all of that. And I think that having someone there to, um, to pray for me, to know what I'm going through without me having to necessarily catch them up or, uh, just to, to be able to give me that grace. And Austin is such a, he is such an upbeat, wonderful, joyful, healthy, stable person who just has so much wisdom and he's so kind. I think one thing that I've really loved about him is he really, he really lives out that scripture to believe the best about people. And in a way I've seen so many people flourish and blossom all of his friends because of the life that he speaks into them. He likes, I think Austin sees people the way that God sees people. And so I think he's seen me that way and it's helped me step even more into being that person. And so that's been, I want to be more like that to people. I want to see them the way that God sees them. I want to speak life over people and, and just, it's like he doesn't even he's not even trying to speak life he just he just does he already just sees them like how they should be and and then they're like oh i can be that way and so i felt that way so in terms of my mental health that has definitely lessened since i've i've been married for sure that the mental health struggles have definitely calmed down 
Um, and yeah, and like I used to be alone when I would have panic attacks, but now I have somebody. And at first that was awful because it's like, I don't want you to see me dealing with this. But now it's just the coolest thing because he can help me remember like, oh, just breathe or just, you know, all these cool. It's just, it's a huge gift. It really is. God was so good to give us the institution of marriage. It's really a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I'm glad we got to talk about panic attacks, mental health and such. Like I've slept on the buses, done the events, like I've puked behind stages. Like, you know, it's, (sighs) it's a whole thing. And people realize they're like, it must be nice to go tour and do one show and just sleep and all this stuff. Number one, when you're on a tour bus, you may sleep, but you're not really getting good rest. Um, and then having to stand up on stage in front of people it is very vulnerable, especially like for myself. I talk about mental health, my journey with anxiety and overcoming panic attacks and such to, to chase the calling that God's given me. And it's it's vulnerable, but it's also hard. Like you're away from your family. You can't necessarily take your animals with you. And that's that would be fun. To yes. Like, I miss my dog. Like, it's funny. Your name is Franny Ray. My dog's name is Frito Ray. I named him the middle name after my best friend Ray. Shout out to Ray. Wait, that's so sweet. Frito yeah. Ray. Frito Ray. He has his own Instagram page. He's he's quite famous. He's got I need to look him up. What, what kind of dog? He's like a, a Papillon mixed with a uh, St. King Charles Cavalier here. I'm going to show you. And if people are watching on YouTube, they can see it as well. Like he's just the cutest thing in the world. Look at this. Let's see. He's the best. Oh my goodness gracious. He's the best. He's, he's going to make his so first next month. And I'm excited about it. But like animals are so grounding. Like they yeah. love you past everything. And my dog, I would even go as far to say he loves We the Kingdom, but I'll let him speak oh, for himself. Buddy. I got to meet him. <laughs> yes. It's it's just encouraging to hear your story and what God's done in your life personally. And thank you for being vulnerable and even talking about the self-harm aspect of things. That could be so hard. And I know firsthand, like God can work through that. He can work through your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And not that he let us go through that, like, we go through things, but he can help us work through it and navigate life. And it's just a never ending cycle of we're going to have our ups, we're going to have our downs. But at the end of the day, like y'all say a lot, we're a child of love, like, Mm. come on. And I love that you said Mm. at first it was child of God. Our God is love. So therefore it still is Mm. God. We're navigating through that. Maybe somebody's listening and they're not a believer. They stumbled across this episode um, by accident. You're a child of love, whether you know it or not. God loves you so much. Yes. And that's what y'all's music echoes. And uh, for the last thing I wanted to ask is, what's next for you, Franny? Like, you love books, you love writing, you love music. Mm-hmm. Write a book. Like, are you just going to navigate this personal piece of your life and mental health? And it doesn't have to be big and glamorous. I feel like everybody's like, oh, I've got to have something to top the next thing. That's not it. Right. Like, what's next for Franny Ray Cash Kane? Oh, that's so sweet. So I think that right now I'm trying to find healthy rhythms in the middle of a busy touring schedule. Um, the tour bus, like you said earlier, it's not what I imagined it would be like, and it is really hard. And so I'm trying to figure out just how to be healthy in that in that way this year. I actually do really want to write a book. So that's so fun that you brought that up. Um, 
I have a couple different ideas for books that I'm, I'd be really excited about. Um, so yeah. And then we're writing, we just started writing for our next project. So I've got some ideas in my head for some, some new songs. We're working on a Christmas project right now. So I just cut vocals Amazing. for one of those songs. And then I'm really excited to, to keep writing for our next record that's going to come out next year, 2022. Um, so that's fun. I think writing is is a cool process because I think Brooke Lidger, Lidgerwood, is that how you say her? From Hillsong, she said something yeah. about whatever you put in is going to come out. <laughs> mm. And so that is, yes, eating, but also writing, whatever you're reading or thinking about, whatever you're um, being inspired by, whatever you're observing, that's going to come out. So writing is this cool process of like creatively eating something and then putting it out in your own way, expressing your own way. So uh, it's kind of cool to do, to do that. It, it feels like you're, you're really growing. It feels like you're uh, contributing to the world in some way. It's a really cool process. I'm excited to get back into that because I think with the busyness of touring, we, we stopped writing as much. It was really hard, but now we're starting to again. So I'm excited about that. And also just, um, just like also just, keeping my marriage healthy, like learning how to just have fun with Austin. We, last night we went um, on a double date with my brother, Martin, who's in the band and his girlfriend, Sarah, who's awesome. They just started dating uh, almost a year ago. And then Austin and I went out and we, we did a hibachi, we went to a hibachi grill. And even though that like show never gets old, the like volcano, the onion volcano, uh-huh. it is so, me- it just never gets old, even though they never change it. It's so mesmerizing. So we, we were like having the time of our life. And then, we took, we got these scooters, almost like bird scooters, but you don't have to like pay for them. Like, you know, Ooh. they're not, they're not owned by bird. They're like our scooters. Yeah. So we're going to take them on tour. So I put some in my car and then we went through, <laughs> we are so dumb. We just like to have fun getting to know them. And we went through a car wash on our scooters and it was like, who so- <laughs> <laughs> does that? It was so fun it was hilarious i mean it was the rain like the water and we got soapy like it was hilarious so just having fun you know keeping our having fun with friendships doing doing fun stuff like that so that's that kind of brings me life that kind of stuff you know i love that i love having fun at what i am declaring is the tail end of this pandemic lord no more shutdowns no more of that stuff god Ooh. But Franny, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for just opening up with us and sharing about the music and your life, um, being personable with us. And I just want to let everyone know, go get the new record. It's amazing. Ooh. It's phenomenal. I can't wait to hear what is coming next. We're going to link your social media and the links for Spotify, Apple Music and everything in the description below. But um, where can people find more about you, Franny? So... Um about me that my Instagram is um, primarily where I like to put all my funny videos. I disabled my Instagram back in the spring for a while. And um, when I got it back, everyone said the one thing that they missed the most was my funny Instagram videos. So if you like funny Instagram videos, I guess I have some of those, but um, so that's, that's probably where you probably, but then we, the kingdom Instagram as well. That's where we take the most, um, I'm not as great with Facebook. So I, I post on Facebook, but Instagram's where you can really find a lot about us as a band and our daily interactions, stuff about production, studio stuff, uh, what we're working on, um, to the tour bus. So that's, that's a fun way to keep in touch with us for sure. 
That's awesome. And like I said, we're going to link that stuff in the description below. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. If you're listening anywhere else, be sure to give us a follow. And uh, we just want to thank New Release today, as usual, for making this episode happen. Franny, again, it's been a pleasure. Everyone go check out that new We The Kingdom project. Go follow them on Instagram and all social media platforms. And be sure to stay tuned for some more amazing stories from real people just like you and I. So we love you. Um, We can't wait to talk to you guys next, and we'll see you next week. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.